In the break between this session and the next one, we wanted to have some uh, other people come up, and this is our panel uh, that we're going to talk. Um, we've given them some questions, um, and so what I'd like to do is first, real quickly, briefly introduce who are you and uh, what do you do for your day job? Hi, I'm Emily Weaver. I'm married to Matthew Weaver, but I also have a day job. <laughs> he is a handful, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I recently made a big career shift, but for many years I've been in a director of operations role. My name is Melvin Schneider. Uh, I'm a CPA and controller at a construction company here in town. Hi, I'm Catherine Rowe. I own a business that provides tax and accounting services for individuals and small businesses. I'm Thomas Davis. If I'm the only one that looks like they just came off a construction site, it's because I did. Um, <laughs> Uh, I work for an engineering company in town, and we build uh, oil and gas terminals on the Mississippi River. Cool. So these people have come to uh, basically give us some uh, fun sort of tips and tricks and stuff like that. So we have some questions that we want to sort of walk through. Uh, this will not be slide-driven. This will just basically be from these guys' experience. They all handle their money well, uh, which is why they're up here. Uh, they're huge, valuable parts of our church. And so we're excited to sort of talk about that. The first question is uh, what is the most common financial mistake that you see people make? Whether you did that or you had a friend who made that mistake, you know a guy, whatever. We can pass it to the boat, yeah. Cool. Just jump in. There's, there's no. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll start. Um, I just experience with friends. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of make some good plans, kind of a lot of what Sarah talked about. You come up with this great idea, you, ha you assess things, you have a budget, but then life happens, life gets busy, unplanned financial things happen, um, and they get kind of some fear about taking a look at their finances regularly. Yes, they had a good idea, they had a good plan, but when things don't go according to plan, they don't really want to look at it because it looks messy and not very nice. Um, and I think they end up having, I've seen people have um, fear and worry and concern taking up more space in the back of their mind in a very unproductive way because they don't want to look again. They maybe only want to look at their budget once a month. They don't want to track the expenses because they know they've gone way out of control. Um, so many maybe unexpected things happen, but they're causing more worry in the back of their mind by actually not looking at it. Um, whereas you could be looking at it and actually doing something productive about it if you're brave enough to face it. So don't let it scare you. I, th I think when you look at it straight on, um, Kind of like Sarah said, you have to know where you are to be able to know where you want to go and start working towards that. Uh, I've found that a lot of people either under budget or underestimate their future tax liability and then end up with big surprises. Um, I kind of thought of an example for this. Um, I want you to imagine you go out and you interview for a job. The hiring manager is sitting across from the table from you. And, you know, let's just say you're just out of college. And he says, look, we want you to come on board. We want you to take the job. We want you to be on our team. And we're prepared to offer you a salary of, let's say, $40,000 a year. And let's say the person, you're on the other side of the table and you say, you know, I think I'm going to take the job. I think I'm going to take, the, take uh, your offer. But I'm going to take the same title and job for $35,000 a year. And you'd be insane to do that. And that's what people do when they're not getting the full company match on their 401k plan. Um, you know, it's a benefit that's there. Your employer has 
for your future self. And if you're not investing in your future, you know, you're leaving free money on the table. Um, I think this one uh, has been beat to death, but I'm going to beat it some more with some numbers. Um, I think the biggest mistake I see people making is being in credit card debt. Um, for those of you that are out there, I know it can be crippling. Um, you've probably experienced it in your own life, and it's easy to put on the back of your mind. Um, but that would be the first debt generally people need to pay off uh, versus student loans, versus anything else. I would really try to be aggressive with your credit card debt. So I just ran a quick number. So if you have a $1,000 uh, in credit card debt, the average interest rate on a credit card is 20% and you only pay off 2%, which is the minimum required, which is, and then you make the minimum payments on top of that for $25, it'll take you five and a half years to pay that off, and the interest will be $660. So for a thousand, so basically you're paying one point times, one and a half times everything you buy on that credit card is that much more expensive. So if you spend $5 on something, it's really $750. If you spend $200 on something, it's really like almost $450. So I think that you just like put that in comparison and it really kind of like is very eye-opening that it's like um, you're not saving. And, and if, you're, if you're thinking, if you're in credit card debt and you're thinking, oh, at least I'm making points, well, I, I guarantee you the bank's making a lot more <laughs> than you are. So A lot more zeros than points, yeah. Right, yeah. that's right. Uh, so that stuff was good. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Ne next question I would have... Um, all of us out here probably have a very tight budget. Um, and so what are some maybe um, budget-saving tricks um, that help you sort of stretch the dollar? So how do you, with what you have, right, how do you uh, wisely sort of adjust some things, wisely some little tricks that you know of that helps you maybe stretch that dollar uh, farther? Am I starting again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can if you want to. Sure, mix it up. <laughs> um, so what I would say, and this kind of goes in, it uh, backs off of the debt uh, stacking plan they were that we were just talking about here. But like when you get to the point, particularly if you know you have a student loan, a car loan, whatever, once you get that paid off, because you're eventually going to hit maturity on it and you're going to pay it off, um, take that money and roll it into savings for something else. Uh, for a long time, after I got done with my student loans, I said, hey, I'm going to take that same cash every month and just drop it in an investment account. Um, I've, once I paid my car note off, I guess two or three years now, I've just been rolling the car note um, into a savings account. And so I'll have money for a decent down payment next time it comes up. So I suggest doing something like that where you force scarcity on yourself and uh, you just keep going at the same rate because it's already built into your budget. Um, so I would say this could apply to anyone. I have a couple of rules of thumb that I kind of spend by because it's so easy, as Sarah was talking about, to blow those lifestyle expenses. So I didn't just write this list down or create this list one day when I was sitting down. It's just kind of over time I've had purchases I either regretted or just um, just didn't end up using very much or they went to waste. So I have some rules of thumb. If there's something I wasn't planning on purchasing and I see it and I like it, I generally wait 24 hours before I actually end up purchasing it. That's a pretty common, I think, financial tip. A lot of people here, when you're trying to get down your spending, when I go to the grocery, I have a list and I only buy what's on the list. And if I want something else extra, I do have a one rule. I am allowed to get one extra thing. 
don't always follow that perfectly, but I try to, and for the most part, I do, and it, it really helps stay on track because groceries and food can go pretty crazy too. Um, just little rules like that. If there's something that I know that I do need, like a big, whether it's a big purchase or just like a small purchase, like a pair of jeans, um, I try to think through ahead of time, okay, yes, I do need this. Yes, I'm gonna find a place in my budget for this. What are the key things that matter to me in this purchase? And if I come across something, um, say I have five key factors that matter to me about my pair of jeans. If I find something that has four out of the five, I don't buy it right away. I think about it, because I thought ahead of time, I knew what I wanted, and it may seem good in the moment, but unless I'm gonna have time to return it in case I change my mind, um, I just try to be a little bit slower to jump at purchasing things, and I think that can help a lot. Having that mindfulness in the front end can save you a lot later on. Uh, so naturally, when we work hard, we tend to want to reward ourselves. And I think that when we get into the mindset of rewarding ourselves financially for, you know, say even just having a really, you know, long day, that that can add up and that can add up in all those, you know, the catch-all expenses. And uh, for me personally, I tend to feel like I deserve food. And a lot of it. And that doesn't, <laughs> you too? <laughs> that doesn't always fit into, uh, you know, our budget. So it's good to kind of, you know, have, you know, other kinds of ways to reward ourselves. And then also to kind of, uh, you know, play into what you were saying. I don't go grocery shopping when I'm hungry. That doesn't work out at all. Yeah. I'm going to change the script a little bit. Um, have you ever watched those life hack videos? I feel like that's kind of what we're doing, where it's like one or two of those are good for that person, and then the rest of it is like, this is kind of garbage. Like It's just like, are you kidding me? Like This is where we're going with this? So I think that kind of applies. I'm not saying that the tips are garbage. I'm saying like, I, wait, wait, hear me, hear Hear me out, hear me out, is what I'm saying is the way someone stretches their dollar is going to be different for everybody in their application of life. Uh, it depends on our spending habits. It depends on how much we make. It depends on, you know, there's so many, there's the human factor, which is so different for all of us. Um, so I'm just going to change it up a little bit and say, like, I think that we get so uh, focused on the small things that, like, oh, like, don't drink a cup of coffee at Starbucks, you know, and that'll save your budget. Um, I tend to look more, I mean, I think this is truly what, they do add up. They do add up. But I think what adds up a lot more over the long term is these long-term decisions we make, like buying a house we can't afford, renting a house we can't afford, buying a car we can't afford. I think that, that like you look at your big item budgets, so when we're talking about discretionary spending, we're talking, what, 20% of our income maybe, whereas housing and transportation, we're making up like 65 70%. I mean, those can really kill you at the end of the day. Um, so I think that we just need to have a long-term focus. Very good. Um, this is a very, very practical question that comes from our next teacher that he wants you to address. Um, what are the pros and cons of preparing your own taxes versus using a CPA? Two of you are CPAs, so that would be good for you to talk about that. But what are the pros and cons of us using TurboTax versus uh, a CPA in preparing our own taxes? I, I can take it. I don't prepare taxes um, at all. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I do it my job, but I don't do it as a source of income uh, through a firm. Um, what I would say about that is it very much depends on how complex your taxes are and how comfortable you are doing it. Um, if you want the advice of someone to come in and help out and maybe advise you some and give you some tips on what you can do to 
you know, being a good sweet spot, um, it's good to go to a CPA. If you have very complicated forms with, you know, you may own your own business, have additional forms of income outside of a straight W-2, one job, um, I think in those cases it makes more sense to go to a CPA. Um, CPA prices or TurboTax and that sort of stuff, um, it's not terribly expensive. Um, they have different differing levels of assurance and uh, they'll give you in terms of getting it all done. But I think it's when it's more complicated or if you're not comfortable doing it, it makes sense to go if if to go with one if uh, you're just have a job and it's a simple W two and either you itemize and it's simple enough to where you can do it or something like that. I think it may make more sense just to do it on your own. I think that it's very important to have that kind of financial advisor on your side early on. Like you may not have, you know, complicated taxes now, but you might have something come up in the future. And it's good to, you know, already have that relationship. And uh, especially if you're starting a business and, you know, you may feel like you don't have the budget for that yet, then it's still it's still good to kind of at least get that relationship going. And, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, a good CPA will, you know, tailor a plan for you that more and more likely than not will work with what you need. And I'll, I'll just piggyback on that and say that, you know, when you're looking at different scenarios of, and that no one in here may know what I'm talking about, Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs versus doesn't make sense to do Roth 401k, traditional 401k work, HSAs, all these different options um, that are out there as kind of tax planning vehicles, the more complicated it is, um, it may make sense to go with a paid preparer. I would say, I would kind of echo what Catherine said. I think it could, <laughs> 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 as a non-CPA opinion, but I would echo what um, Catherine would say is that it is it, it can be challenging um, to find a good CPA that you feel comfortable with. And so sometimes it can be, or I felt that it can be worth the investment, even if your taxes aren't very complicated, to build a relationship with someone because you never know what's going to be around the corner and when things might be more complicated. And they can be a year-round um, asset for you and just you can go to them, ask questions, and that can be a great resource if you think you're going to need it. Yeah, we, Sarah and I use a, a CPA. We have a long relationship with one, so it's good. It's an old friend. So, all right, final question. Um, what's one practical thing or things that you do in your life to increase generosity? So, uh, as, as you all are Christians, you're very faithful to our church, very faithful to let God use you in all di different forms. How, how is it that you, what are some, some practical things that you do to uh, increase your generosity as a person or a family unit or whatever? Okay. No, no, go ahead. Um, all right. So um, it, it really, I think the biggest step of it is the first part of the talk tonight. Knowing where you stand and, you know, figuring out what your spend is, how much money you have coming in, where your spend is going. Because if you can't, like, get a handle on that, there's no room for generosity. Once you get to the point where you kind of look at your expenses, get it to where it's, you know, reasonable in relation to your income and to where you're making more money than, or you're bringing in more money than what you're spending, it's very simple after that point to save and invest. 
to give generously and you, but it's, you have to figure out what the, like Thomas was saying earlier, you have to figure out what's important to you. There's people who would never spend what I spend on going to football games. Um, there, there's, there's people who spend way more money on living in a certain house or neighborhood or on a car than I would ever spend. Um, and those are all very personal decisions that comes down to you, but you have to look at it and you have to rank and say, these are my two or three big things, and then after that, I'm going to let it go. I mean, I've had situations where I've gotten pay raises. I've gotten, you know, cuts in salary. So I had to go back through my budget and say, okay, what am I going to cut out to make this work? And I had to go through and cut some things that, if I had my way, I w didn't want to cut. But that's just something that we have to do and, you know, have a plan and be prepared for that ahead of time. Go through it now while you can because when that time comes, I mean, particularly, there's a lot of cyclical businesses here in town that go up and down, that swing up and down. So you have to have a plan for what you're going to do if you lose some of your income. And then you'll understand better than like, hey, these are things I can cut down on or maybe aren't as important to me and I can go without spending there. I'm going to give you my life hacks, and then you pick that one that's good for you. And the rest of them, they're just kind of like, that's kind of dumb. Um, so um, um, so for me, uh, how, how, how have I managed um, to maintain generosity, make room, make space in my budget uh, to be increasingly generous? Um, number one is maintaining a lifestyle. Um, I've tried to have the same rent, the same housing costs, the same transportation costs as when I started here with my first job five years ago. Um, um, I've, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten promoted or a raise every year since then, but I've, st I've tried to stay at my same kind of basic level of living. Um, so I think that's, that's the number one thing that's been, uh, ideal for me. Um, the second thing is, uh, that I found very helpful is, uh, any kind of extra income that doesn't come inside of my, um, like regular salary. Um, and, People think, well, where does this money just come off of trees? Well, this happens for everybody, right? Every, pretty much everybody gets a tax refund at the end of the year. So that's a couple of extra thousand dollars. So I take that. Um, I also, in my company, I travel a lot for work. So um, anytime I spend money and get reimbursed from my company for like meals and stuff, I consider that extra income for me. So I put that and that goes directly into savings. And I don't even look at it. Um, and then also any kind of bonus that you might get at the end of the year, cost of living adjustment, all that, I just, just I put that in a savings account and I'll look at it. And then at the end of the year, uh, I kind of look at, okay, Lord has blessed me. Like I, I have an Excel spreadsheet for my generosity. Um, so I have this like this goal of like, this is where I want to be. This is where I'm at. Um, and for me, for Vintage, Fellowship One is very helpful for that if you go... If you give through the fellowship one, which is the online giving, it kind of tells you how much you've been given to your local church. Um, so I look at that number, look at any extra income that I have that I've stashed in the saving the savings account I never look at, and I say, um, and I then I pray over it and ask God, how can I spend this, and where do you want me to go? Um, so I'll echo, I think, what Melvin said in that I think everyone's expenses, what you spend money on, where your money goes, it's going to vary greatly per person, you have to identify what does matter most to you, but I do hope that being generous is part of what does matter most to you. Um, I don't have so much a specific tip that I would say, but I would say for myself, I love the phrase, live simply so others can simply live, and that's something that I'm always repeating in my mind, and it helps give me sort of more of a celebratory 
um, and joyful perspective on looking at my budget and what I can do and, and how we choose to spend our money each month or each pay period. Um, because I remind myself of that phrase helps remind me of what a privilege it is to like um, like we had said, where most of us are in that 1% of the world's richest people. Um, so it just helps m put me in the right mindset. And when I'm in that right joyful mindset, I'm much more excited to give. Um, I do think giving and being generous, making it a part of your normal rhythm as part of your budget, um, it's always on your mind. And then you're always having to remind yourself to be joyful and positive about it. Um, but it really just having that mindset compounds over time. I can truly attest to that. Once you start, and if you keep striving for that mindset um, and just having your heart in the right place, um, your money will follow, and you'll be really excited to see um, what your generosity could do. Um, I think that um, it's very important to prioritize, and I mean, that can be money or time. Those are our two biggest personal assets that we have to give and be generous with. And uh, it helps to kind of write out, you know, what's most important and where are we putting, you know, our time and money to, you know, even be able to see, like, maybe whatever's at the bottom of the list doesn't need to be there and, you know, something else should have more time. All right. Um, can we thank these panelists? <laughs>